Hello and welcome to the Sharpening Report. We're doing something a little different today in that we're actually going to be discussing the first book in a fiction series. Usually we do nonfiction, but today we're going to uh, we're going to give fiction a shot. We've done it before; people seem to enjoy it, and I actually think that this is going to be a rising trend in our kind of fringe Christian groups. There are some fiction writers that have done very very well, such as Sharon K. Gilbert, among others, and I think we have an author today that is going to be among those uh, those big names in a very short amount of time. Now, this fiction series is based on biblical truths, so this isn't just uh, for fun or entertainment. There's a lot of uh, Bible in this series as well. Uh, Max B. Sternberg lives in Virginia with his wonderful wife and two incredible boys. When he's not working or occupying his time with activities as a husband and dad, he enjoys discovering more about biblical scripture, telling dad jokes, and trying to live his life as best as he can for Jesus Christ. Max believes that humor mixed with truth and tied together in a reliable way can be an amazing way to reach people for the Lord, and I happen to agree very much with that. He hopes readers will find that his imaginings paired with biblical truth help them to grow. The Rise of Light is his first literary work, and he has two other books in the series planned for upcoming release. Max, thank you so much for joining us. Welcome to the show. How are you doing? Uh, I'm doing wonderful. Thank you very much for having me. It's, it's an honor to be here. Well, the honor's all mine. I appreciate you taking the time for this. Uh, so for those who might not be familiar with uh, you or your work as of yet, um, give us some of your background. How did you come to faith in Christ, and how, did that led, uh, how has that led to what you do today? Well, uh, I was born and raised Reformed Jewish, and uh, I, I, I learned a lot of the Jewish traditions, and it, it all seemed very ritualistic to me. And, you know, went to Hebrew school, got bar mitzvahed, and, uh, you know, shortly after, you know, going off of my own and going into the big wide world, I, I kind of fell away a little bit. I, I think that's true of, of many a person. But uh, after I met my wife, uh, she's the one who told me, look, if you're going to want to hang out with me, I'm going to be on, at Sundays, I'm going to be on church, at church. And so uh, I, I decided, you know, I, I could sit through a couple of services and, and just, yeah, I, I could, I just want to be around her because I really liked her and I still do. Uh, um, it wasn't until one of the messages just kind of really struck with me and resonated with me. And, and I'm a logical person. I'm a mathematical person. That's that's kind of why I enjoy your show because oh. you deal with a lot of the the sciencey topics. Well, thank you. And so when I heard the sermon that Jesus fulfilled over 200 prophecies, uh, I really thought to myself, okay, so what's the statistical likelihood that this person is not the Messiah? And then just doing my own research and then doing my you know delving into uh, the Old Testament, and then finally cracking open the New Testament. It, it was like seeing the original Star Wars trilogy uh, after seeing the the prequel trilogy. Everything started to make a little, little bit more sense, and so I uh, I finally got to uh, got to accept the Lord into my heart uh, shortly after my first son was born, and uh, that brought me all the way to now. I mean, uh, yeah, about ten years later. Wow, that's amazing. Well, praise God. And uh, yeah, I have a similar story as well. Uh, for me, it wasn't um, Jewish ritualism kind of stuff, but it was more like legalistic kind of, um, 
I don't want to say Protestant like it's a bad word because it's not. I'm very much a Protestant, but it's like, uh, you know, fundamentalist, which is funny because I, I am a fundamentalist as well. But it's, I, I, it's it, there's not really a word for it that comes to mind, but it was just kind of the more focus on the legalism part of it than the actual, you know, spiritual truth of scripture. And uh, so all of the things that I was kind of brought up in, I am today, you know, I'm a fundamentalist Christian, I'm a uh, Protestant, I'm a pre-trib guy, you know, pre-millennial, all, all, all that stuff. But the, in the church that I grew up in, it was more about, um, you know, your hair's got to be a certain length and women can't wear jeans and like just weird stuff like that. <laughs> it was kind of built around that. And I wanted to know, well, are aliens real? <laughs> you know, that, so that was where my mind was at. Uh, so I can, right. I can, as far as like the ritualistic kind of legalistic stuff, I can definitely understand that. And, uh, my wife, she was raised Jewish as well. She's a messianic Ooh. Jew. So, uh, so yeah. that, that's been an interesting, um, you know, kind of compliment us complimenting each other like that. Um, so your book is called Rise of Light, and if people are looking it up, it's spelled R-H-I-S-E. What can you tell us about uh, your your book? Typically, people are used to, you know, on this show, typically people like will, will read nonfiction and stuff like that. And I, I love it when we can actually get like a good fiction writer, because fiction is really difficult to write. I've tried it myself. I'm not very good at it. Uh, but from what I read of your book, you, you are actually really good at this. So can you tell me a little bit about your book? Uh, what made you go the, the fiction route and who are the characters? What's the basic storyline? You got it. Uh, well, as far as, as tackling, you know, one of the first questions, the way this kind of ties into biblical truth, and you said that in your introduction, is, is kind of how I've started to learn more about the real biblical truths. Um, I've had the story kicking around my head for about four, four and a half years, and it's, it's a high fantasy tale. Um, you know, take a lot of Old Testament, New Testament themes in scripture, uh, you know, plug in uh, high fantasy like Lord of the Rings and throw in an undead apocalypse and you've got the rise of light. <laughs> um, but I've had this idea kicking around my head and something was always missing. And it wasn't until I went to my latest church, which is non-denominational, that I really started getting some answers because our, my, our pastor at this church and it's Freedom Worship Center in Warrington, Virginia, uh, Pastor Derek Rawlings. He started to tell me things that I've never heard in a traditional church setting. The more that I researched, the more I realized, oh my gosh, why don't people know about these things? <laughs> and so I decided, you know what, this is really cool. I'm going to try and incorporate this into the series. And then the series literally just kept writing itself. Uh, this was right at the beginning of COVID. And suddenly I was working from home. And... Uh, I, I got myself into a situation to where I, I committed myself to not playing any more video games. And all of a sudden I had this, you know, hours of time. And so I thought, eh, let, me, let me go ahead and put this to paper and give it a shot. And praying before every writing session, I mean, the words just kept flowing. And they still do, because I'm still writing. But uh, book one is the introduction to the series. And this is about a, uh, a, a young man named Leon Rise. The H is silent, of course, but uh, it worked with the title. And Leon has a crown, but abruptly had to leave the Navy. And so coming home to his you know, father, who is you know, very rich nobleman, um, he comes home to an unexpected surprise and is subsequently cast out over a series of actions. Well, while he, he's cast out of the home, he uh, defends himself 
with this old spear that was hanging on the wall. And it's been on the wall the entire time, and nobody knows where it came from. That's part of the mystery. But the first night he's out on his own, he has this vision. And he's told that he could become a judge. And so here we're tying in some of the Old Testament themes here. And I got to say, I think the book of Judges is one of my favorite Old Testament Old Testament books, because you take broken people, you know, just like broken people in the story, people who have backgrounds that are some of the hardest for, for evangelical Christians to, to preach to, some of the questions that are the hardest to answer as backgrounds. And they, you take these broken people in the book of Judges, and you make them leaders of armies. You, uh, you know, defeat hundreds of thousands uh, with a very small group like Gideon, or you drive a, a tentpole stake uh, into somebody's head. Uh, and yeah, that wasn't even a man, that was a woman. So it's a book that's not only fun in the, in the realm that it's, it's Christian fantasy, but it also helps to teach and teaches some of these biblical truths that have been forgotten. What I like about it is, uh, in, in reading through some of it, it, it really feels like you're uh, not only writing to yourself, you know, because a lot of people, and I think this is where some um, authors kind of trip up, they they write only what they want, you know, and there's nothing wrong with that, you know, you write for yourself, but but they, they stick with that and they almost have tunnel vision to their own specific, you know, wants and needs. But you have a way of writing that I think opens it up to a broad audience. Like, it, it really feels like you're not, you, you are, you know, writing what you're interested in, things that you want to hear, but you're, you're also uh, having the, the audience in mind, having the reader in mind, what, what kinds of things will appeal to other people. And I thought that was, I thought that was really cool because that came through uh, pretty, pretty, pretty well in the you know, pages that I read, which is actually why I, actually, I, I typically don't read or do a whole lot of uh, shows on fiction writing because a lot of it is hyper-focused on what interests the author that usually and it's weird because that usually seems to work with nonfiction. i write like that nonfiction. i mean i write about stuff like quantum physics that's interesting to me and if people love it then great and if not then they can you know read another book or something but for some reason with fiction um i haven't found that to be the case but with yours uh it really feels like that you are trying to uh make it relatable to anybody who picks up this book which is which is great so in your opinion what what do you think makes your book special what makes it a good story well i mean as far as it being a good story and and you know really again thank you for for you know let me know that you think it'll appeal to everybody i hope it does too um i think it's a good in just to kind of play off of that, as far as as opposed to going to a church to or or you know any sort of domination denomination where you go into uh, ritualism or a hyper grace uh, message, this gives a good introduction into biblical truths uh, in an entertaining setting, and that that's one of the missions that I also had as well is that a lot of the mindset nowadays of Christianity is this very dour, very somber, very, oh, you can do this, but you can't do that kind of mentality. Everyone has a frown on their face when they're Christians. And no, that's not the case at all. Uh, you can have a great time. You can have fun. You can have jo you can joke around. God has a sense of humor because he made us in his own image. And so if we have a sense of humor, that means God does. And so that's one of the things that I think makes it a good story. The, I mean, the other thing that, uh, that I would say is that 
this is uh, this is something that I've really had, like I said, in my mind for a long time, and I've tried to poke holes into it. Uh, I've I've had people try to you know uncover plot holes, which is always a a very chilling experience when you when you send it off to somebody for the first time and they say, "What? How did this happen?" <laughs> and if you can't say, "Well, I'll answer that later," you got a problem. And so I, I had to, like a siege, you know, use catapults and trebuchets to my story to try and make sure that it works. Uh, and, and luckily so far it is. So it's working. Yeah, definitely. That's, that's why if I was ever going to write fiction, it would be short stories because, because of exactly that. I am terrible with plot holes and I leave them all over. I, I tried writing one fiction book one time and uh, a novel and I'll probably never do it again. Short stories, maybe. I, m- I might have some better luck with that. Um, so to, for the audience to kind of get to know you more as a person, what, when did you first realize that you wanted to be a writer? Uh, when I was when I was very young, I wanted to be a stand-up comedian. That was that was the first job I ever wanted. Not an astronaut, not a fireman. <laughs> My dad has been a graphic designer his entire career, and he's great at what he does. He actually designed the cover. And uh, beyond that, his parents were music store owners. So I come from from a big family of, of you know creative people, and so this is my medium. I have finally figured out. I finally figured out what I what I was called to do because there was a shift that took place as I started writing. And anyone who writes or, or anyone who, who enjoys their job knows this feeling. It's the feeling where you're at peace with what you're doing. Mm-hmm. It's, it's that peace that surpasses all understanding that this is my calling. This is what I'm supposed to write right now. Uh, I know that if approached properly, this can reach millions. And so that's, that's another goal that I have. Yeah. But one person at a time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, I, you know, I totally agree. And um, yeah, that was something that I realized when I first started writing too, because uh, for a long time, I felt like I was called to write, but I didn't want to do it for a long, long time. And it wasn't until, uh, for me, until I got out of New Age and actually rededicated myself to Christ and actually started following His will that... Uh, when I did start writing, I started getting that piece that you're talking about. And it does uh, surpass all understanding because to me it was like I hated writing in school. But here, you know, I was doing it and I, I was actually really enjoying it and still do to this day. Uh, what, what characters in your book are most similar to you or people do you know? Do you, do you draw from uh, your own personal life to build these characters? A lot of the characters have backgrounds that are, you know, like I said before, the, the hardest that people try to evangelize to. But some of those backgrounds are, are the things that I can identify with or other members of my family can as well. Uh, for the main character, Leon, uh, he has survivor's guilt, uh, but he also has a lot of anger issues. And, you know, like a lot of, a lot of Christians nowadays, uh, you know, they accept Christ, they're forgiven of their sins, but they still hold on to that baggage and they still hold on to that anger. And so, He's dealing with that throughout this book series, but you know there are other characters who, that deal with their own issues. You know, one of them uh, doesn't want to have doesn't want to have anything to do with God and I in the book, and there's there's other characters in there that have, have also been incorporated that are some of the more difficult people to evangelize to. Like you know, there's a gnome later in the in the book who is very very intelligent, who thinks they know everything, who gets very frustrated when they don't have answers. 
And for the people who think they know everything and can only trust what they see, it's hard for them to recognize that there is a God that you can't see who's touching everything. And so all of these characters, they have their flaws. They have their, they're very entertaining together, especially when there's banter and discussion. Um, but yeah, they, they all come from different backgrounds, either in my own personal testimony or from what I've researched. That's really cool. Yeah, I like how uh, the characters that you you've built in this book. Um, you know, they kind of it, it, there's a wide array of people. Like anybody who reads this, they're going to find themselves in one of these characters, and I, I think that's really cool. What part of the book was the most fun for you to write? There's there's a there's a hyper grace mentality that's that's going around in the church nowadays, to where everyone portrays Jesus as the Lamb, the Lamb. He is he is the the Holy Lamb of God, and he is. He's also the Lion. He's, he's going to come back as a lion. And a lot of Christians and a lot of Christian fiction have a hard time with, with, you know, standing up for themselves versus turning the other cheek and knowing when one happens and when the other happens. And so in doing my own biblical research, we're not just called to be lambs, we're called to be lions as well. And we have to defend our faith, the, the true faith, because however many denominations there are as, as Christians throughout the world, Jesus didn't mean it to be that way. He didn't have a dom- denomination. And so he's a warrior. He is, he is here to defend us from sin, from the, the from he he's our champion in the seed war, and so writing these battle scenes as a Christian fiction writer was especially enjoyable because now I get to tell this side. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh, you know, spiritual warfare is such a big topic in the church right now, and it, it seems like everybody has their own ideas about it. And what I love is. Uh, uh, with, with you, you're able to just kind of take it right back to the Bible, what does Scripture say, and then build off of that. Um, there's also a lot of people out there. I, I get asked this a lot. Um, they they want to write. They don't know how to get started. Uh, and a lot of times they'll ask me for personal tips. And really the only thing I ever can think to say is, you know, just just be yourself and write what, what God lays on your heart. But what to you are the most uh, important elements of good writing? So important elements of good writing, I would say, is you know, making sure you fill your plot holes, <laughs> um, but also being dynamic. Don't be afraid to plan and then run by the seat of your pants as well, uh, but also making sure that you have a good support group, uh, and not just family as well, but you know, other writers in that genre, sometimes out of that genre too, people who don't know you as well. And are not just going to be yes people. We're going to give you the good, cold, honest truth. Um, having that support group, I found one on MeWe, which is one of my new favorite social medias. But they, uh, they're they a bunch of great people. And we, we all make each other laugh. We all give each other suggestions. Uh, we, we hold each other accountable. And really making sure that you have... Uh, the ability to believe that you're wrong. 
And so I had to come to terms with the fact that, especially learning a lot about the Old Testament that I never knew before. And, you know, I was, I grew up Jewish. Old Testament was our stuff. <laughs> but if you don't, if your views don't line up with biblical scripture and backed up evidential biblical scripture, then you need to change your views. And so it's the same thing with writing. If your story doesn't match up with what you believe uh, is the message that you're trying to give or the story that you're trying to write, you need to change the story. You need to throw it out and then start anew. Amen. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I've found that that uh, also rings true in nonfiction writing as well. There have been many times where I would start to write about a topic and then I would realize later after, um, you know, studying it further, you know, I actually don't even really believe in this. And so I have to uh, start all over. But those are always good things because I've noticed taking those risks can really help out a lot because even if a risk doesn't pan out, you'll definitely learn something from it. But if a risk does pan out, then it can actually take you pretty far. What risks have you taken with your writing that have paid off? Cold calling or cold emailing people to ask for an advanced copy of the book. <laughs> having having that, uh, that little baby chick of a story that I created uh, be pushed out of the nest and hoping that it'll fly, not knowing what anyone else's reaction is going to be. By the way, thank you for letting me have you, having me on your show. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> you, I emailed a bunch of people. And some of them said no. Some of them said they didn't have time. And okay, move on. Uh, others panned out. And as we can see, it's it's bearing fruit. Yeah, amen. And, and you know, sending out those uh, requests and stuff does help a lot. I, I get a lot of them. And there are some times where I have to, you know, tell the person, especially if it's somebody new, because, you know, I've been burned before. There have, had, uh, there have been times where I would have, like, a new author on, especially when I was just getting started, too, because I was trying to just network with anybody and everybody that I could. And uh, sometimes those relationships don't always pan out. And uh, so, uh, you know, now, now I'm a little bit more careful. But, uh, yeah, and reading, I, like, I wanted to make sure um, that I actually, you know, read through at least some of your book, but uh, that I read through and, and, you know, checked you out online, made sure that you look solid and you do. And I actually really enjoyed uh, what, what I read. And uh, I'm, I'm actually looking forward to reading the rest. Um, and, and speaking of which, what do you hope that uh, your readers will take away from your book? I, I created a mission statement with my works and it was three E's. It was entertain. Which I've always wanted to do. It was educate, which as I learn more, I want to spread the message. And then it was evangelize. And so I want to show people uh, a different take on what the mainstream Christianity or, you know, a, a cut up and pasted Christianity is saying. And so I'm hoping that my readers will get out of this that. You know, some of the some of the ideas that they might find are far fetched, that if they actually do the research, uh, it, it, it's very real. Usually at this point, we usually go to break, but uh, and then we switch over to members only. Uh, but 
I, I think for this one, I want to give the whole episode uh, for free for everybody uh, on YouTube. Now, of course, people at Daily Renegade, if you're watching this on the Daily Renegade website, you already know this, you'll get early access. So even uh, on the occasion that we give uh, an entire episode uh, away for you know free on YouTube or whatever, we've done that before, uh, but you still get early access. So there's still definitely benefits of becoming a member. Uh, so for this one, we're not going to cut to members only. We're going we're gonna to keep keep going with the discussion, because uh, I think this is really beneficial. Of course, I think all of our shows are, but I think that uh, people can learn a lot from this. And uh, I, I think, I'm hoping too, that it'll help you to have like a full interview out there that maybe you can show people and, and maybe get on some more shows and stuff like that. And so uh, we'd be happy to do that for you. you. So we'll, we'll tell people um, that if you're watching right now, head on over to dailyrenegade.com and become a member. Uh, you'll you know, you get this episode for free, but there's lots of others that you won't. So, uh, and we do that only because YouTube censors our things. They delete, they they have deleted entire channels of ours, whole videos. So we have to do our own thing. We have to house our own videos and that's kind of costly, especially with how much content uh, we put out per week. So uh, go over to dailyrenegade.com, become a member today, and you'll have uh, early access to our videos. As soon as they become available, you'll have access. Sometimes you get them a month in advance. Other people don't get them for another month or so on, on YouTube. And even when they do get them on YouTube, uh, it's usually only half. So, And it's usually the non-controversial half, you know, hoping that YouTube won't delete it. Uh, so if you don't like the membership platform, complain to YouTube. But uh, it does help our ministry grow. And it helps us in those non-controversial kind of, you know, first half episodes. It, help, it helps us use those to spread the gospel to those who might not have access to it. So uh, if you want to become a member, head on over to dailyrenegade.com right now and uh, become a member. If not, that's okay. You can get a trial version and just check us out, see if you like us. And if you don't even want to do that, there's a free episode of the Sharpening Report right on the homepage. Uh, and I think that's something that everybody should watch. Uh, it has to do with prophecy and a coming economic collapse and what we as Christians can do to protect ourselves and our assets. So once again, that website is dailyrenegade.com. Uh, so Max, for for people who might already have decided they they, they want to get the book, they want to uh, follow you online, um, how, how can they do that? Is it available now? And if not, where can people go for updates and things like that? So it is available. Pre-order uh, release date is June first. Uh, it is on Amazon and Kindle right now for the pre-order special price of two ninety nine. Uh, it will be on Kindle Unlimited, and you can also get a paperback when it releases at that same time. Uh, I am also diligently working on the hardcover, and have been told by multiple people that I should do an audiobook, so I'm trying to do that as well. Excellent, excellent. So I highly suggest that everybody go check that out uh, and, and keep up to date on that. Uh, there's something else I wanted to ask you too, because I know this was when I, especially when I was first starting off, I had like a thin skin about my writing. I, not so much now, but uh, you know, I started years ago, and I, I was a much different person back then. Uh, and it was, um, I, I actually didn't trust a whole lot of people for constructive criticism, though that's an extremely important aspect of being a writer. Who do you trust for objective and constructive criticism of your work uh some of the writers in my writing group uh you know they're they're different christian writing styles and and you know some of them are not christians yet but i, I do trust them because they give me an objective viewpoint um you know in the in days and age of covid we haven't physically met so it's easier to to tell someone the gospel truth or 
is my lovely wife. We didn't know that's the correct way. And uh, especially if it's biblically aligned. And so, you know, she'll correct me, I'll make the corrections, and then she'll say, okay, you're fine. Yeah, that's awesome. It's it's always important to have somebody like that. That's what my wife is for for me in that area as well. Usually before I even write anything down, um, I'll run something by her. I'll say, hey, what do you think of this? And it, and it helps me because I get to hear my own thoughts out loud. And, and so I can kind of be a better judge of them too. Uh, then she can listen to it. And it, it, it really helps out a lot. So that's awesome. Yeah, I think it's really important for everybody to have uh, at least at least one person who, like you said before, is not just a, a yes man and is going to just agree with everything that you say, but somebody who can actually provide that um, constructive criticism. That, that's one way that you know can lead to success. Speaking of which, uh, everybody has their own personal um, kind of uh, definition of what success is. What is the definition of success for you? What, what does it mean to you? I would say success for me, setting the low bar, is bringing at least one person closer to Christ with this book series. Um, that's the low bar. The, the high bar. I, I really don't. I really don't particularly like the fact that fantasy nowadays and science fiction nowadays has become so secularized that anything that you find on a streaming service, a lot of it's a majority of it is ma. Yeah, it is unwatchable to me. Yep. And so I really wanted to to have a successful book series and by successful i mean hey if a lot of people love it great but i really wanted to have a successful book series that is clean that is something that you know very much to the tune of and and look i would never compare myself to, to tolkien or c.s lewis but they wrote clean fantasy half a half a century ago mm -hmm. and so i think it's now time that we have another cool fantasy clean and christian and biblically based even if it's not mine i would love to see that yeah yeah same here and that that's actually a big reason why i don't read a whole lot of fiction anymore because of exactly what you just said and say, same with on on tv and stuff it's hard to uh, find good clean entertaining stuff because you know unfortunately a lot of christian stuff is just unwatchable too uh because the acting usually is bad or the plot is thin or you know it just doesn't feel like it, it has the heart that unfortunately some of the secular stuff does but the secular stuff is inundated uh with just horrible things that you don't want to put before you your eyes so yeah it's like where do you go so anytime that there's somebody like yourself that can actually produce really good entertaining but beneficial uh content man i'm i'm all about it i, I think that's great what, what kinds of things do you like to do when you're not writing when i'm not writing uh i'll be hanging out with my kids we, we can you know uh watch some you know clean entertainment on tv or you know play board games uh we've had many a family game night uh you know we'll Go out to eat at our local restaurants that'll still allow people inside. And, uh, and, you know, beyond that, you can't really go to the movies anymore, unfortunately. But, you know, we try to find ways to make it work. I mean, there's a phase where we've literally gotten in the car, picked the direction, and started driving and to see the beautiful countryside. You know, that's, that's, that's a good day. It's also good to pick out your own kind of, you know, go bag, get away from the world kind of destination. And so we've done that too. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, that's, that, that's awesome. We, we try to do that when we can with the kids, but we got five of them. So we don't, <laughs> we don't do that as much anymore. Uh, but what, what, 
in your opinion, what was your your biggest challenge? Because I, I again, like I said, I know a lot of people in this audience they want to be writers, and anytime that we can talk about some things that you know we've been through as writers, it might help them. What what was the biggest challenge that you faced while writing The Rise of Light? Uh, I'd say one of the biggest challenges was learning enough about description about that biblically based in order to back it up when challenged and so that's one of the that's one of the, the key things my wife actually told me like, if you're gonna write this uh you better know what you're talking about and so uh, i i do have a sports group for that too i do have several books uh that you know can help with it with answering that question if necessary and uh what is the term in the white house circle back to it if necessary, and then uh, beyond that, uh, it's it's really just making sure that I'm confident enough in that answer and rebuttal to be able to say, look, this is what it is. If you don't like it, you need to take a look at the Bible, another look, check your scripture, bruh. <laughs> Amen. Uh, you, you mentioned that this is a part of uh, that you're planning a series uh, around this. So if, if you're planning a sequel, can you share a tiny bit about your plans for it? Yeah. Um, uh, without revealing plot hole, uh, plot spoilers or anything <laughs> like that, um, the second book will be dealing more with giants and the spirit, soul, and body, and not just from a human perspective, which uh, a lot of churches teach nowadays, but the, the spirit, soul, and body connection when it relates to Nephilim. And uh, or Nephilim, however you pronounce it, and has a lot more spiritual warfare questions in the first book that I just leave hanging on purpose just to irritate people. <laughs> and uh, we're also adding a little bit more intrigue as well for the third and final question mark. So we'll see. Douglas Adams had five books in his. That's awesome. Well, I, I can't wait to see what you do with it. Uh, I mean, the, the first book is fantastic, and thank you again for sending me a copy of that. I I, uh, I haven't gotten through the whole thing yet, but what I've read, I've really, really enjoyed, and I think that uh, my audience is really going to enjoy it, uh, too. Um, one last time, where can people uh, find you on social media and, and things like that? Uh, social media, I am on the book for the face, uh, and <laughs> that is uh, my own page, uh, Max B. Sternberg. Uh, I'm also on MeWe, uh, which is, again, Max B. Sternberg. And uh, I've also got my own website. And you guessed it, it's maxbsternberg.com. And you know, beyond that, you can find me on Goodreads or Amazon, where if you are going to find me there, I would appreciate a review if you do read the book. That's how you can help your and support your local indie author. <laughs> Amen. Well, I highly suggest that everybody uh, who watches this show go and do that. Uh, again, that book is called Rise of Light, and I really think that you're going you're gonna to enjoy it. Remember, it's R-H-I-S-E. H is silent. Uh, I, think you're, I really think that you're going to like it, and it's, uh, it's an excellent deal. I mean, it, it's really not that much money to be able to support uh, an, an author who's actually writing really, really good material that, that you're going to enjoy. Well, Max, this has been an absolutely uh, fantastic conversation. Thank you so much for coming on. It's been a pleasure getting to know you and getting to talk about your book. Again, thank you very much for having me. It's an honor, and uh, I hope to talk to you again at some point in the future.
future. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, me too. We'll, we'll have to have you back on again sometime. It's been a blast. And thank all of you for watching this episode of The Sharpening Report. Uh, of course, we will be back again next week. And until then, thank you so much for watching. Love you all. Take care and God bless.